Hi, everyone. It's Shenda Wall. And in this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down with Dan Rockwell to talk about the vagrant, the inner journey of leadership. Leadership is hard. No one is going to deny that. And it requires a lot of self-reflection if we want to do our best. And that is what our conversation is all about. But before we dive in, let me tell you a little bit more about Dan Rockwell. Dan is the author of the highly recognized Leadership Freak blog and the co-author of The Vagrant, The Inner Journey of Leadership, a parable. His concise and practical articles are read in every country on the planet. And Inc. Magazine recognized Dan as a top 50 leadership expert in the English-speaking world and a top 100 speaker. The American Management Association lists Dan as the top 30 leader in business. I hope you enjoy our conversation as we talk about his book, The Vagrant, The Inner Journey of Leadership. Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And in this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I'm so excited to have Dan Rockwell here to talk about his newest book, The Vagrant, The Inner Journey of Leadership. Dang, we all have that inner journey. There's so much work to be done. And I know on the other side of that hard work, we can likely find our success and our happiness and fulfillment. But Dan, I just want to say welcome to the Leadership Habit Podcast. Thank you for having me, Jen. I appreciate it. Perfect. Well, let's go ahead and get started. I know that you might be new to some of our members and some of our listeners. So could you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. Uh, I'm Dan Rockwell. I live in central Pennsylvania, if you're into geography, which is uh, north of, oh, Little League. So we are the home of Little League. We have a claim to fame. And actually, Little <laughs> League just started. Uh, so uh, Williamsport is one of those towns, 30,000 people. And uh, if you end up in Williamsport, you probably intended to end up in Williamsport. You didn't get there by accident. Uh, but people do come every year uh, to see the Little League World Series, uh, which is, uh, you know, our, our big thing. And that's happening, actually. The big parade is tonight, and uh, we're off to the races. So anyway, I'm, I live out in the country outside of Williamsport because 30,000 is too many people for me. <laughs> so I'm like out in the country about 10 miles out of town. And uh with my wife and uh, my actually my high school sweetheart, we got married uh, young, uh, 18, 19. I think I was 19. I was 19. And uh, anyway, and I write the leadership freak. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the leadership freak. So I know that some, I'm guessing, I guarantee some of our listeners have absolutely read the leadership freak, but to those that haven't, tell me a little bit more about the blog that you write and who you're trying to help or how you're trying to serve with this blog. Sure. Thanks for asking. Uh, I started writing leadership freak about 12 years ago. I did it because I just had this urge. I felt like I could matter more. I felt like maybe I was missing something. And uh, so I just started, I made a commitment to myself to write five days a week for a year to see if it would get traction. I had no idea what that meant. I mean, like zero. I had written contracts at the college where I worked. I had written papers when I went to school, but had, I had never written anything like this. So I sat down one day, started tinkering with ideas. I, I came up with the name Leadership Freak. 
And uh, I started writing. Now, I have a short attention span, so we, ha- we have to keep this going uh, because, look, squirrel. Uh, but <laughs> I have a short attention span, so I write short. I You know, th- 300 words. That's about a minute and a half or so, two minutes, if you're you know, a slow reader like me. And uh, I designed it for myself. And in a way, I write for myself every day, but also, but obviously, I give that away to my audience. And thankfully for uh, for me, and I'm uh, as far as being able to have an impact, uh, it did get traction, and so I've been doing it ever since. And now there are readers literally on every country in the globe, including Iceland. Not a lot, but including <laughs> Iceland. <laughs> What congratulations. What a cool impact to know that you're making. And again, leadership is such a fascinating topic in general for its ability to transcend, you know, cultural borders, differences in country. Like we likely all have a common ground in struggling with how to be our best selves or how to rise and lift others. But I know I have to ask this because I too am someone you had said earlier that shiny object syndrome, the squirrel, it's something that I could get vulnerable to, especially if there might be a setback or the results weren't what I had envisioned in my head. And so I would love to know your secret for your ability to stay consistent because you're writing this five days a week. And I know that I personally have sometimes walked away from something because it felt hard when I didn't get the result. I got discouraged. But what is your secret for sticking with it? Yes, I do what I love. I didn't know I loved it, but I have uh, uh, learned to that I love writing. And uh, I think it's a lot easier to do what you love. You know, going to the gym, you don't love going to the gym. You do it because you want to be healthy you, you know, you you do it to take care of yourself and it's sort of like, uh, and you develop strategies like you find a friend to go to the gym with or you join a class and it forces you to get out of the house. You know, for me, going to the gym means I got to put my dang sneakers on and walk out to the truck and drive to the gym. If I can just get in the truck, I can make it. When it comes to, to writing Leadership Freak, um, I started to like it. And I'm an early riser, so I get up every morning, and my body now has just learned. It's not a decision. It's I get up every morning, and I just start putting my hands on the keys, or I take out my journal, and I start writing. And uh, I like to go to bed thinking about what I want to write about the next day. Like today, I wrote about you know uh, what I think of as maybe ridiculous advice, and that is don't depend on others. Uh, now I understand self-reliance is important. So I went to bed thinking about it and got up with a few ideas about, look, if you don't depend on others, then the size of your life is just your individual contribution. We have to learn, you know, high-performing athletes, lots of people in their lives. They're depending on coaches and health people and medical people, you know, and then they they got agents. And so uh, I, I, I just love doing it. I love ideas. And uh, then, of course, it did get traction. And that's the affirmation. And pat me on the head and send, you know, if you pat me on the head, I'll just follow you around all day. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got that too. I love that even, you know, that piece of reflection that's 
my aunt told me, and it's something I strongly live by, um, there's no such thing as independence, only interdependence. Um, Independence is an illusion that many of us think we have because we need that not only from our social being perspective of that connection, but of course, everything that we have in life is the result of working or connecting or someone else. So I love I was that. thinking about that uh, Rocky movie. You know, he goes out somewhere in the Siberian wilderness. He's all by himself. You know, he's lifting logs and he's, you know, and it's like, and I love it. I love the whole Rocky thing. You know, the guy rises up, stick it to the man, you know, and all of that. I just love that. It's just, uh, it's a fantasy, man, you know. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and it's hard. I get it. I get, especially if you're hurt or not sure what to do, it's easy to want to go inside. But I feel like there's so much magic when we can actually just start to let go and connect. Uh, Well, let's talk about our inner journey because I feel like that is the part of our own inner journey. So let's dive into your book, The Vagrant, the inner journey or the inner journey of leadership. Tell me what inspired you to write that. I know that you write, you know, daily or at least weekly. What inspired you to put it all into a book? So I've had this story in my head for about 10 years. uh, And it's the story of a person who basically engages in self-defeating behaviors. Who hasn't done that? I mean, everybody does stupid things thinking they're smart things. You know, like too much time just by yourself, uh, too much time saying, you know, I'm going to be my own person. And that's that is part of life, obviously, but uh, not enough time inviting other people in that kind of stuff. So uh, we all engage in self-defeating behaviors. And I started, you know, thinking about my own and I got a long list of uh, self-defeating behaviors and uh, started. I thought of this story. And I tried to write it, but it just wasn't my style. What I was, what, you know, I'm still learning how to be a writer. So I reached out to John David Mann, told him my story. He's written 40 fables, 40 or 50 uh, books. I, I don't know how many, but he was the best I could think of. Speaking of, you know, get people in your life. And so I reached out to John. I said, hey, I have this story. He said, tell me your story. I said, I told him the story. He said, and this was the first phone call. He said, Dan, I love it. I got chills. Let's do it. And that was about two and a half years ago. I love that. And now you're coming up and you have the physical copies and you're set to release next month in September. That is congratulations on that. Thank you. Putting the pen to paper, literally, and actually making it happen. When you think about the person that you wish, if you were sitting in a coffee shop and you looked over and you saw someone reading your book, who do you want that person to be? Is that a a new leader that might just be struggling with figuring out what's up or down? Is that maybe an executive leader that feels lonely or alone? Who who would be that ideal reader? Well, uh, the young reader obviously is important. And if you can help people avoid some of the common pitfalls, which I think the story will, and then the application at the end, uh, if you can help people do a few less self-defeating things, then obviously they're going to propel themselves forward. My coaching business, uh, I've coached many leaders who are uh, more toward the end of their career frustrated, never really engaged in self-reflection that much. They've lost themselves to work. 
And this kind of uh, story and then the practices that are at the end will help somebody who is like, I I don't know what I want to do. I, you know, I've been giving it everything I've got and I feel like I've come up dry. And I feel like many of us do get caught up in the autopilot, keep working harder and things will change, keep working harder and my fulfillment or happiness will look different. But yet (laughs) we can't keep filling our tank with the self-defeating behaviors. From your perspective, what are some common self-defeating behaviors that maybe you talk about through the story or what do you notice that people have? Is it that feeling like, I'm never good enough. And so they are burning the midnight oil or I always have to be everything to everyone. I'm curious if there's any themes that you notice um, more heavily within leadership. Yes. Well, you hinted at the inner critic. And I've only met one person in my life who didn't have an inner critic. It was a fella in California. I think maybe he was smoking weed. I'm not sure. Because he, he, I said, I think everybody has an inner critic. He said, I don't. Now, maybe he was just oblivious. But uh, you'd be surprised, Jen, how many leaders and, you know, experienced leaders and high-level leaders live with that inner accuser. It's like all the time you have to do more. You have to do more. I just had a conversation uh, last week. With one of the one of the leaders I work with, he said, "I got an inner should. You should have done this. You should have done that. And that is just that just sucks the life out of people. Or you know what I'm saying? So it, it, I mean, don't get me wrong. Maybe you should have. But what's important is what are you going to do right now? You know what I mean? Instead of living with all of that and that baggage." So the inner critic is a definitely a self-defeater, a self-defeater. It lives inside of us. Uh, you know, everything from showing up with the answers instead of ready to ask questions, showing up to convince people before you connect with people, those kind of things. We, we all, you know, I think about when I was young, I mean, I knew too much, you know, and I was just... Uh, you know, I had the answers and I, you know, if you didn't agree with me, something was wrong with you. Uh, so it's a, there's a big bucket of self-defeating behaviors. It's the underpin of self-defe- self-defeating behaviors, is it our own lack of like self-love and appreciation for hmm. ourselves? What do you think is the contributor to that from your perspective? It, it could be, it, it could be as a coach where we, where the book goes is that it's lack of self-reflection. So uh, I think we could have gone down the path of, you know, what does self-love look like? Uh, which clearly self-hatred, you know, self-accusing as part of our lives. But, uh, you know, from a leadership point of view, what we decided to do was just say, you know, here's a character that we made up. And he is engaging in self-defeating behaviors because he does not see how he comes off to people. He wants to do well, but he is uh, pushy. And I mean, that's one of mine. I mean, if if you read The Vagrant, you're sort of reading a lot of my crap, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, So, so, uh, you know, 
people have said to me, you're pushy. And it's like, I'm a fuzzy teddy bear. Well, that disconnect. People see me this way. I see myself another way. That ends up in self-defeating behaviors. I start doing things that don't work. So uh, that's where self-reflection comes in and a structured self-reflection, not just sitting under a tree and contemplating the meaning of life. And by the way, that's not all bad. I mean, you can, you know, contemplate the meaning of life. That's good. But this is a book for managers and leaders and people who want to do well um, in, in work and in business. And, and so uh, learning structured self-reflection uh, to help you see how people see you, to truly understand what you're after and think, is that getting me where I want to go? Right. And I love that, it, you know, the root of it, the inner journey of leadership starts with building your own self-awareness, which I know that you've likely seen it plenty of times with your clients. I've seen it with my clients, people that think they know themselves more than what they do and are very, very, maybe not like beautifully naive to maybe how they are coming across. And I think that work is hard. It's it's really hard. And it can sometimes lead you with, there's no, it doesn't always feel like there's a confirmed right answer. It might just be a question that you feel brought you somewhere. And how do you still know if you're getting it right? But I think self-awareness is one of the I love to ask that typically on the podcast, like, how do you build self-awareness? Because I do truly think it is one of the hardest things to build. Yes. And I think it makes sense why so many of us think we have more emotional intelligence than what we do, because we don't have the self-awareness built. Hi, everyone. It's Jen. And I'm just coming to you because we need your help. Presscom International, the organization that hosts the Leadership Habit podcast that I proudly work for, is looking to expand their network of people that are committed to creating more ethical, engaging, and human leaders. Now, how is that relevant to you? Well, we're looking for referrals. Do you know someone that is interested in giving back and being an entrepreneur and owning their own business, or that wants to make a difference and is passionate about leadership development? Well, I'm excited to share with you that Crescom has just launched a referral program. If you know someone, maybe it's a past mentor or a boss that's interested in making a career change and wanting to leverage the knowledge and their experience in the classroom, send them our way. We have this new program and here's the scoop. We've designed an easy to use referral form available on crestcom.com forward slash referrals. And you can visit the site submit your referrals, and access all of the rules along with required terms and conditions. Here's the sweet spot of this. If you refer a successful candidate, we'll give you $2,500. Now we want to expand and make our mission even greater, but we can't do that without your help. So if you know someone that would be interested in becoming a franchisee for an amazing leadership development organization that wants to get into the classroom and make a difference, head on over to crestcom.com forward slash referrals today and help us impact your workplaces and the leaders that you work with. Here's the only caveat. Please note that this program is currently open to applicants based in the United States only. So in the book, you talk about these, you know, being intentional, being more structured, not just sitting under a tree and maybe waiting for divine intervention to give you the answers. What is your process? What would be some recommendations if you notice someone that is evaluating their life and saying, this isn't what I want it to be? What, what is some of that starting point to build the self-awareness? 
Right. In the book, there are five practices. Um, but I thought of as uh, there are many ways for you to do this. And one of them, as you were talking, uh, just reminded me, start noticing recurring frustrations. And lots of times we get frustrated with other people. We think, you know, what's wrong with them? But we perhaps we need to take a little time and think, how did I create that situation? What did I do to invite their resistance? And that's a self-reflective practice, too. Let's start with a very simple thing, though, that most anybody could do. And let's start. Let's admit that uh, when I work with leaders, when I ask them, what's your self-reflection practice? They look at me like a cow looks at a new gate. It's like, I don't, you know, I don't have time for that. What do you mean self-reflection? So uh, sometimes I'll say, I want you to think about some of the things that are really important to you, maybe stuff you want to get done, maybe relationships you want to build, whatever it is, and uh, design for yourself three to five questions that revolve around that. How am I doing in relation to, did I succeed? You know, how did I, how did I fail? You know, um, what, what might I try differently? And, and at the end of the day, just write a sentence. Just write a sentence answering each question. Give yourself the opportunity to turn inward so that you're more successful when you turn outward. Now, that's a very simple practice. You could do that for a week, two weeks, and um, I get bored easy. So I'm not, you know, you don't have to have the approach. I like to change things. So, you know, try that for a few weeks and then try something else. And we actually have in the book a process for inviting others in, because if we reflect only by ourselves, then we have the opportunity for self-deception, and that also is self-defeating. So we want to invite other people into the process, and there's actually some, uh, uh, one of the practices is is uh, about doing that. Oh, tell me more about what self-deception, or how you define and look at self-deception. What does that mean? Yes. Well, uh, we, I, we all do it. It, it happens every time someone you're surprised at a negative response when you're trying to do a good thing you were deceived about what you should do so you saw yourself a certain way like for example i saw myself as a fuzzy teddy bear someone else sees me as pushy so now when i engage in a conversation i'm wondering what is how come they're so adversarial well everybody gets adversarial you push them you push them for, you know enough it's like they start to push back. And, okay. and so you don't see that. One of the, one of the things uh, that we can do is reflect, uh, invite, and reflect on uh, tough feedback. The main character in the story, receipt, he doesn't invite it. But he eventually starts getting these moments, and there are several moments in the story where he gets tough feedback. Yeah. Now, if we're fortunate, that's happened to all of us. It's like, what? I'm not like that. That is just what you want. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. You don't want to be self-deceived, but you just don't see it. And somebody else sees it. And then now you have to somehow dare to dip your toe into that and think this. What if they're right? Or 
maybe I'm wrong. Those two little questions uh, help open our heart a little bit and then ex- begin to explore what someone else said to us. That's, I love those two questions. I can still kind of feel the challenge in doing it because I what I notice even too with some achievers is that we're so fixated on the external validation of others that they can give us feedback that sometimes, frankly, actually that feedback isn't something that you need to take on. But yet we do try to mold ourselves to every piece of feedback. And so I'm yes. curious if you have any you know, rules of thumb of how you choose to really put barriers around feedback. Because I think if we open it up to everyone, that can add to more confusion. Um, But yet if we completely turn it off, then we don't necessarily get the answers that we need to help our success. I know like one of the things I share with my clients is find three people that you trust with your whole heart. But I'm curious just to know from how you work with your clients, how do you help them process the world of feedback that we live in? Yes. So a brilliant, brilliant question, Jen. And if we're not careful, feedback is something that starts to steer our lives for us. And that means we let other people steer our lives. Mm, Not good. Not good. You know, so uh, seeking feedback as a leader needs to, as you said, you know, you have to have some boundaries on it. It's not like, how am I doing? Oh, don't ask people how you're doing. You know, that's just... That's be very specific. So, for example, uh, everybody hates meetings, right? So, let's say you set a goal. You want to be a, you want to run meetings that energize the team. So, you go to your three friends. You say, "Look, I've set a goal for myself. I want to run meetings that energize teams. Would you do me a favor? As you watch in the meeting, would you t- just take note of when you think maybe?" Uh, I could be de-energizing. I could be, you know, for me, I'd say sucking the life out of people, you know, or would you just notice when you think the energy in the room goes up and what, you know, what is happening then? And then could we talk like right after the meeting? I I just want to get some feedback on that. What we're doing, see, it's not personal. It's about something you want to achieve. And you're, you're being very specific. You're not saying, how'd I run the meeting? Well, you suck at running meetings. You know, that doesn't help me. So uh, try to be very specific when you seek feedback and it does need to be narrow, right? I think I I love that tip. We often ask feedback in a much broader capacity than what we even have the capacity to process and take on. And it just adds more... I think of those moments of misery where we're just like, maybe I'm never getting it because we weren't specific. You know, I I really like that distinction there. Um, Because I think especially more low in confidence, we often do ask those open-ended ones, grasping at straws, hoping that someone has the answer. But if it's not the answer we were prepared for, not even the answer we thought was relevant, we might have just asked the wrong question. (laughs) Like that counterposal. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what, you, you know, Jen, you're talking about something that is, is so, so important. And that is uh, affirmation. And what am I doing right? And there's nothing wrong with asking that question. You know, what am I? You, you get your team together and say, look, my goal is to help you thrive. 
tell me something I'm doing that helps you thrive because I want to do more of that. See, now, isn't that great? It doesn't have to be the negative side all the time. Just help, help me out with the things that I'm doing that's working. I'll, I'll encourage the leaders I work with when they do their one-on-ones. Just uh, when that meeting starts with a one-on-one, say, look, nobody is here, just you and I. It's brag time. I want you to brag to me about what you're doing that's working. What are you excited about? What are you glad you did? And take out your pen, you know, because I, I like to keep notes during meetings. And, and they say, you know what? Oh, I'm so excited. And I have had leaders do this little practice, you know, just in their one-on-ones. And, and they report back. You can't believe, you know, how people feel good. Because let's face it, bad is stronger than good. One bad thing, and it like overshadows 10 good things. Actually, I think the number is probably five. But, you know, it's like. No, we want to uh, energize people. And let's face it, telling people they uh, suck all the time isn't very energizing, you know? And it makes me think of the black or white thinking or the all or nothing thinking that many of us fall into. I either got it right and nailed it out of the park or I got it wrong. That I know for myself, even grasping the concept of gray thinking I resisted that so long for for so many years because I just couldn't get it when I was conditioned my entire life that things were either this win, lose, right, wrong, all or nothing. Like it was very hard to reprogram and learn how to just let go and let be and know that we're always in a state of gray. Um, That's sorry. That's just what came to mind as you were sharing that. No, no. Difficulty of pulling back. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. We've talked about a lot, and I know that we have to wrap up. Dan, what would be some final insights that you would want to share with our audience? Um, They can pick up the book, The Vagrant, The Energy Journey of Leadership. What would be any final thoughts or insights that you would want to share with our listeners? Well, I need a lot of affirmation, so I hope you like it. Um, reading the story and, uh, the feedback I get from early readers is, uh, that they did enjoy the story and they are doing the practices and it is helping them. So even if you don't read the story, right, don't even buy the book. I think my encouragement is begin a very simple self-reflection practice. Don't beat yourself to death. Just think about the things you want to accomplish in life and design yourself some uh, questions that you can ask yourself. Like, how much time did I spend on doing that thing today that is really important to me? And, you know, it's surprising, isn't it? That days can go by and it's really important for me to, you know, build a relationship with somebody on the team. And it's like other stuff gets in the way. So we just need a little bit of time uh, to reflect and just be just, you know, don't imagine yourself, you know, closing your eyes and sitting somewhere for a half an hour, you know, trying to clear your mind, like meditating and all of that. Just, uh, you know, five minutes, start with a very simple practice. Uh, I think it'll help. Yeah, I love that. Just start, just start, be curious, start the work and it won't feel like it's so much work. Just taking the small steps. 
Dan, I really enjoyed our conversation and I want to be able to highlight how our audience can get in touch with you. So what would be the preferred method to be able to get the book, to learn a little bit more about you? Sure. So uh, I want you, I want everybody who sees this to go to their bookstore, physically walk into the bookstore and ask them to get it. (laughs) 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 But that's probably a big ask. But obviously, it'll be on all the major uh, outlets, uh, you know, like uh, Barnes and Noble and Amazon and all of that. It, it is right now, so uh, you can buy it online uh, or hopefully at your books, or it'll be distributed uh, to some. But we'll see how that goes as well. And uh, they can get in touch with me my, uh, if you go to Google and type in "leadership freak." Right. There, you know, that's what you get. Uh, my email is dan at leadershipfreak.com. Dan at leadershipfreak.com. Dan, thank you for writing this book. Thank you for creating another space for us to talk about our self-defeating behaviors and giving us permission to start that journey of inner leadership. Thank you so much for coming by and sharing your audience with a leadership habit. It was great to have you. Thank you, Jen. Audience. Uh, I just give that up. Your message. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> thank you. Making up all Well, thank, thank you. you Dan. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dan and that you're inspired to begin your own inner journey of leadership. And if we at Crestcom can help you do that, we would love the opportunity. We have franchisees around the world that are offering leadership development classes and would be eager to come in and help you be your best. If you want to find out more, head on over to crestcom.com. There you can request a complimentary leadership skills workshop. You can find out about our quarterly webinars and you can also download our white paper and eBooks. Until next time.